Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of the Flourish and Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Tamika Mahomes, and I just wanted to hop on here real quick to give you guys a special announcement. Today's episode is a very special interview that I sat down and did with my husband and pastor of Innovation Faith Church, Jimmy Mahomes. This interview was so encouraging because we sat down and we talked about the topic of racism and specifically addressing the church's response to it. This interview was full of encouragement and inspiration, so I can't wait for you guys to hear it. I hope that this message encourages you and that it's able to speak to you, especially with what's going on in today's society. So without further ado, here is episode one of Conversations with Tamika on the topic of the church's response to racism. Hello everyone and welcome to episode one of Conversations with Tamika. I'm your host, Tamika Mahomes, author, blogger, and journalist. I am here today with my husband and pastor of Innovation Faith Church, Jimmy Mahomes. And today we're going to be discussing the topic of the church's response to racism. So before we go ahead and get started, would you please introduce yourself to the audience? Well, I'm so happy to be here to be able to connect with you today. My name is Pastor Jimmy Mahomes. I am the senior pastor of Innovation Faith Church, and we are so happy to be able to connect with you at any time. You can definitely find us on all the social media app outlets, which would uh, include, excuse me, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, Twitter. But uh, I'm so happy to be here with Miss Miss uh, Tamika and my beautiful wife here, and we're able to get uh, get this interview started. It's been a long time coming. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and tra- transition into today's topic. So in church, we often as believers talk about the issue of sin. So I've recently heard somebody mentioning that this is not an issue of skin, but it's an issue of sin. How do you think we should respond to that? Well, I believe a direct response is to the issue of sin, as you already know that everybody suffers with sin. Sin is a universal issue, and it's not a concentrated issue like racism is. Mm -hmm. Racism is a more concentrated issue because everybody sins, but but everybody uh, everybody has the choice to overcome racism through education. So we have not just a sin issue, we have an issue of being, we have people who are being uneducated and by choice, choosing to be able to go down a path where they are where they are uh, discriminatory against a particular race of people. Now, sometimes we sin may not be a choice. Sometimes, sometimes we do sin out of ignorance as well. Sometimes we, uh, we sin happens uh, mistakenly, uh, or, or or sometimes maybe even intentionally. Uh, Paul said, "When I thought to do right, evil was always present." Mm-hmm. So sin can happen universally toward everybody. But one thing that we have that we have control over, we may not have control over sinful issues, but we do have control over how we treat one another, especially when it comes to racial and ethnic issues. So I believe it's not so much a changing of the spirit, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to racial and ethnic issues, I believe it's a changing of the mind. That's really good that we need to change our minds first. Yeah. So how many years have you been in ministry? Over 20 years in ministry. 
Uh, and uh, it has been a wonderful uh, season in my life to be able to uh, serve God as uh, as God calls us as leaders to be leaders in the church. Mm-hmm. He calls us towards service. And I believe serving people is the first call. And, and, and I believe that it is the call that is uh, is perfected in you daily. Yes. And I believe it's it's a it's a hard working call. Yes. <laughs> and I believe it's a call that that is uh, much of uh, that that gives much reward back to you spiritually as well. And as and it makes you sh- uh, shaped better as a person. Yes. So as a leader, I'm sure you've seen many times where there's been different things, topics such as racism that needed to be addressed. So with the topic of racism, one thing we're seeing is that a lot of black leaders are standing up to speak about the topic of racism. But we find that there is not a lot of white leaders also speaking up for the same issues. So do you feel like it is a responsibility of those who are Caucasian leaders to speak out on the topic of racism and how should they speak out on it? Yes, I believe our Caucasian leaders or white leaders as per se have a special platform. I believe they have a platform in which they can actually speak to a generation of people that us as African-American leaders, we cannot speak to. So I believe that they need to actually use their platform to not be silent Mm. because being silent says says a thousand words, but speaking once can do a thousand things in a person's life. So I believe that they are uh, they are called by God. Uh, to be able to speak to a generation or a particular people and not only uh, give them words of wisdom of what they need to do in their society, but also be the voice box for those who cannot speak to them and educate them in ways that they would not be educated if they had not come to their church. So education in the in the manner of whether it's coming from a black pastor or from a white pastor is something that's going to help create an avenue of change. So I want to ask you, how do you feel like we as the church can create a culture of change? Well, I believe, first of all, that it takes our it's our responsibility as leaders to start having the uncomfortable conversations. I think I, I often teach in my church and I teach to my leaders that you're not a leader if you cannot have the uncomfortable conversation with someone. So I believe that's where it starts. You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. So once you are once you have started that as a leader, I believe it's our responsibility also as leaders of 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 all genres, not just in the ministry, but uh, motor vehicles, uh, uh, legal representation in law firms, uh, medical representation in hospitals. We need to start hiring and being intentional about hiring leadership of African American descent. Let me say it again. We need to be intentional about who we're hiring as our leaders because we have top tier corporations that receive funding, U.S. government funds, Mm -hmm. and they have a leadership of zero when it comes to African-American representation. So I believe that we need to start putting, if we're going to buy cars from General Motors, then we need to be, we need to have African-American representation in the leadership of General Motors. If we're going to buy clothes from Ralph Lauren, then we need to have African-American leadership at Ralph Lauren. So I believe that that needs to take place. 
And lastly, I think that the, the big thing that needs to happen when it comes to diverse, uh, diversity leadership is intentionability. I think we need to be intentional on how we hire, especially when it comes to having a diversity within our leadership. I know I'm repeating that, but I'm doing it for a reason because I think that that needs to be reiterated many times over because we have said it throughout the years and we still don't have it. Yeah. So we, we, I think there needs to be a diversity there and an involvement of representation there intentionally. I say that with intent. I have, I once worked on a pastor that was, that was intentional about who he put in his leadership. Mm. Not only he was a Caucasian, he was a, a, a pastor, a white pastor, Caucasian descent, but he made it a point to go out to the areas or to the min, uh, areas that were, that were uh, populated by mostly minority. Mm -hmm. And he intentionally staffed his staff with minority leadership. If he can do that while facing death threats, mind you, and threats of other nature, because his church was located in a predominantly white area. So if he can do that, if he can stand for Christ and he can stand on the on the side of right and staff his staff, we we should ask no less of, uh, of ourselves. Yes, it's very important in churches to have churches that are diverse, especially on the leadership team, because I believe that that welcomes a, a environment where people who are also diverse will also be members within the congregation. And that way you can speak to not just a certain a certain section of people, but you're able to speak to Absolutely. everybody. Absolutely. So we want to transition onto the topic of crime. So there's been a lot recently in the news of police killing black men. However, people are making an argument that it's no different if a police kills a black man versus a black man killing another black man what would you say to that well i want to say real quickly that i don't want black on black crime to deflect the nature of what's going on in our society today mm. and that's police brutality amongst one race one group and one race of people and that's among the african-american group mm. did you know that currently during or, or previously during 9-11 that when the attacks happened on 9-11 on the pentagon and the world trade center and those of civilians uh, 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 combined and those of response units, all the people that responded to 9-11 combined mm -hmm. was a total of over 2,996 people that lost their lives tragically. Wow. Now, when that happened, we did not just say, well, death happens all the time in America. Mm -hmm. We as Americans focus on the death that was happening during 9-11. Now, did you also know that during police, the uh, police uh, uh, stoppings and, and, and police brutality, statistics on police brutality between the time of 2016 and even now today in 2020, that there have been well over the amount that have died from 9-11 during a regular traffic stop? Wow. That should, that, that should speak to you right there because... If we have an epidemic of this proportion happening where men of color are dying after just a routine traffic stop more than an, more than what happened in 9-11, then black on black crime is not the issue here. The issue is why do we have such a large amount of men and women dying under the hands of those who are supposed to protect them? Hmm. 
That's good. Yeah, we definitely have seen an uptick in the amount of black people that are being killed by police when we're supposed to find them as safe. Absolutely. So I want to ask, as believers, it's important that we always keep our eyes and our focus on the cross. So how in this time do we keep our eyes and attention focused on God? Right now, Jesus said, and I want to say this, that Jesus said to pick up your cross Mm. and follow him if you wish to be his disciple. And I just want to say that when we choose as, as Christians, and I want to speak from a Christian perspective here, when we choose as Christians to pick up our cross and say we want to follow Jesus, then we're picking up the cross and putting down segregation. Mm. We're picking up the cross and putting down impartiality. Yes. We're choosing to pick up the cross and put down systemic racism. Mm. So when we choose to pick up our cross and follow Jesus, it should be in a way that's away from the things that are not like Christ. Now, I want to say this. When we choose to pick up our cross and follow Christ, just like Christ said, it will not be an easy task. Mm. We'll have to have the conversations that we don't want to have. We'll have to engage with the people we're not used to engaging with. We'll have to be able to, uh, to work on the same platform with people that don't look like us. But that's what Jesus did. He crossed company lines and he crossed segregated lines and he crossed partialism mm. to be in a position to be able to save us. How does it point back to the cross? Because the cross didn't care about my color when it saved me. The cross didn't care about my nationality and my race. It didn't care about my background. It cared about my, about my soul. So when we start to care about a particular race's soul, we see them, we, we have something what I call not just a, a, a human uh, a respect, a, a human outlook on them because we can say well everybody's human all lives matter right but here's the thing all lives may matter but do you have respect for the lives that do matter that you're persecuting wow. respect is where it comes in and the cross gives us a, a mo- gives us a moment to step back and say do i really respect those that are different than i am So one thing that you were mentioning was the importance of the cross and the importance that God has died. Jesus has died on the cross for our sins. So the thing about forgiveness is that it's easy to forgive people when they do things that are small or when they do things that don't really affect us. But when we deal with big issues like where a police officer is killing a black man it's hard to walk into forgiveness in those type of big situations so how can we as christians work to seek justice while also walking in forgiveness well jesus said it this way he simply said love your enemies Hmm. now many times we look at that from a victimized mentality though Mm -hmm. because i want to flip the script here I know we're looking for the victim to love his enemies, those who have persecuted him. But I want to flip it a little bit and and say it this way, because those who have been victimized, I want to look at the person who's doing the victimization and let him know that Jesus is talking to you too. Mm. Jesus is saying, love your enemies. 
Because whenever there's a moment of impartiality among somebody, that somebody you're being impartial to is your enemy. Hmm. Whenever there's a moment of racism against somebody, that person who you're being biased or impartial to or racist toward is your enemy. And God is simply saying, love your enemy. Love those that are not, that don't look like you. Love those that are not, not in your same circles. Love those who don't have the same skin color as you. Because I believe that God does not just want, want one-sided love. I don't think he just wants the victim to, to, to love the, the person who's victimizing him. I believe he wants to wake the eyes up. Maybe this is why the George, the George Floyd thing happened. Because it was something to wake the eyes up of those who may be in a position where they don't know that they're victimizing somebody. Maybe this happened because there are people on jobs right now who are being discriminatory and they don't understand or they're not educated enough to know that they're being discriminatory. Mm -hmm. God does many things to not just wake up the victim, but to wake up the person who's being who's who's victimizing someone else. When Jesus died on the cross, it, it did not only just wake up the disciples to go out and to be and to be disciples for him, but it woke up. The people that were that were trying to persecute them in the process. So God wants all of us, all of us in our totality. May you wear a badge or where you or may you do not have a badge on. May you have been a person who victimized someone or, or may you may ha, may you have been a person who has been victimized. He wants us all to wake up and understand that we need to start loving one another yes. on both sides of the fence. Yes. This is not just for the person who was who who received pr- police brutality in the street. Mm. This is for the police officer that administered it. Yes. This is not just for the person who is in the prison system and he is denying the inalienable rights of an individual because he is black in the prison system. This is for the, the this is for the warden of that prison system. This is for the mayor that's blocking the bills that's going to make it an even play, even playing field for African Americans to receive employment employment. This is for those who are doing voter registrations and they are illegally uh, 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 pushing uh, pushing back the uh, or pushing forward efforts to detain those of the different ethnicities to be able to vote. This is for you. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to them that persecute you and misuse you. Do good to them. If you feel as though you have an enemy, God is calling you to love. That's good. That's good. So when we go, go over and look at the questions that were answered, I believe that one thing that we can focus on in this time is to love one another. And just because we're walking in love doesn't mean that we won't also work to seek justice for the wrongs that are done in this world. So before we close, I just wanna invite you to give any final closing statements to today's uh, conversation. Absolutely. I wanna just say this. I want us to examine as a people where we are right now today in America. Uh, racism, systemic racism and bias 
is very prevalent. And I want you to understand something too. It's not happening just in America, but there are protests going on all over the world. Everybody's not wrong. So that means we need to take a closer look at, at how we can get from, get from wrong to right. Yes. And I believe that it starts at the foot of the cross. Jesus was the first example of someone killed due to discrimination and, 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 and uh, impartiality. He was, he was killed and, and, and he was slain on a cross and, and he was innocent before, before those who took action upon him. It's time for innocent people to stop dying. Mm. It's time for for us to stop slaying innocent innocent people. And like like my wife pointed out earlier, accountability is must happen. So I challenge the church because judgment must first start where at the house of God. I challenge the church to be accountable. Hold yourself accountable when you choose leadership. Choose it with accountability to Christ. When you choose those whom you fellowship with, choose it with accountability to Christ. When you choose those whom you help, choose it with the accountability to Christ. Because Christ wants us to hold one another. Iron sharpens iron. And we hold one another accountable. And we even with accountability comes the gratuity of, of, of love. Because even in the book, even as Solomon said, two heads are better than one. For when one falls, the other one is there to help the other one up. Yes. So when we, I believe that we are, when we are more accountable for, to one another, we can, we can grow more to love one another and understand one another and be educated enough to be able to coexist with well, thank you, Pastor Mahomes, for taking the time out of your day to sit with us for episode one of Conversations with Tamika. Again, I'm your host, Tamika Mahomes, and you can find me across all social media platforms at Flourish in Purpose. We want to thank you for tuning in to today's episode, and we will see you next time. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Flourish in Purpose podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an upload. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to share it with a friend and write and review on iTunes. I'm your host, Tamika Mahomes, and I'll see you next time. God bless.